Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Phil Bischoff, youth minister and director of outreach at Crosswalk, is bringing you a teaching. So head over to crosswalkphoenix.com, click on the Listen tab, and there you can find today's notes. And now, here's Phil Bischoff. I was 16 years old with one of my best friends, Kevin, and we were at the movies. Arrowhead Movie Theater. Any of you been there? Okay. It was... Back in when I was a kid, that was like the best place to go to see a movie. So I don't remember what movie we were trying to see, but I do remember one of the worst monsoon storms of the summer came up, and it knocked out power to the whole movie theater. Eventually, the power came back on about half an hour later, but everything was messed up. The, the movie times, we didn't know if our movie was canceled or what was going on, so I tracked down an employee to find out the scoop. And so he told me, all right, when all the movies are being canceled and all the new ones are showing, so I got all this information, right? And I'm going back to Kevin, and I'm going to tell him. And then I overhear this group of adults talking. They're they probably in their 50s or 60s. There's probably four or five of them. And they're talking, and I overhear them saying, yeah, we're going to go to the 9 o'clock showing of whatever movie. And I knew that that movie had just been canceled. So I thought, I'm going to let this group know. So I walk over, really polite, you know, waiting my turn. And you know when you're trying to interrupt something, someone, you're trying to wait for, for eye contact, right? So I'm sitting there. I get the eye contact, so I make my move. Excuse me, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but I heard you say you want to see this movie at 9. I just found out it's canceled, but good news, there's another showing at 10.30. And I waited, I waited for my, you know, oh, thank you so much, you know? Or even better, I was waiting for, you know, young man, your parents did a great job. That is so nice of you to come over and, and let us know that. So I'm waiting for this, and all of a sudden, one of the ladies in the group, her eyebrows go down, and she gets a scowl, and I get, you mind your own business, no one asked you to come over here. And you could tell the rest of the group was a little shocked by what this lady had said. And, and to be honest, because I remember it now, 20 years later, it affected me. It shook me. Because I, I was not expecting that. I was expecting one thing, and I got the complete opposite. I got opposition when I was just trying to do something nice. And... It just was something that caught me off guard. Now, today's message, Strengthened by Opposition, here's, here's the deal. I think if you were to ask everyone in this room, I think everyone would say, yeah, in life, we're going to face suffering. We're going to face opposition. Life is not perfect. I think everyone would say that. But I also think everyone in this room, at some point in their lives, would also say that sometimes we want life to be perfect. Or sometimes we expect life to be perfect. Now, um, I'm going to show you an amazing graphic right now, really advanced. Okay, let's throw the first one up on the screen. This is <laughs> my amazing art artistic abilities here. We all like seeing that up and to the right, right? If you're, if you're in business... That's the, the, the mark, right? You want to just keep going and whatever, however you define success over time. 
And so in our lives, we kind of trick ourselves into thinking that life, life should go this way, or we want life to go that way. And if, if you don't think that, if you think, no, I, I got reality, I don't think life should ever be perfect, the proof is in how when opposition or suffering comes, the proof is in how we respond sometimes, right? When, when we get something that we're not expecting and, and we don't respond in the best way and we don't respond uh, in, in going to God and we, and we get floored by things because we kind of have this expectation even though we might not be aware of it. All right, so now I'm really gonna show my artistic abilities with the next one. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. That's a lightning bolt. That's a lightning bolt. So, um, so and, and we know this. What happens is when something from the outside of our lives comes, comes, and it's especially something that we have very little control over, can be something like being diagnosed with cancer, losing a job unexpectedly, Maybe a friend or a family member turns on you or betrays you. Maybe you get to a certain point in life and and things aren't going as you expected them to go in your family, in your job, in everything. Maybe you lose a loved one. And all of a sudden now, instead of going up and to the right, we're going down. And, And we face that opposition. So what do you do? Today we're going to stick with Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah. We've been going through this series of leading God's way. And and if you haven't been with us, Nehemiah was an amazing guy. He was a Jew during the time when the Persians held the Israelites captive, okay? And so what happened was 80 years earlier to, to Nehemiah, the Babylonians destroyed the city of Jerusalem and its walls were down. And Nehemiah learns of this, and so he has the courage to ask the king of Persia to go and repair the temple and repair the city walls, and he gets permission to do that. So today's story is about that. He's ready to build the wall, and he's going to face a little bit of opposition. Throughout this whole thing, I I want you to write two things down right now in your notes. It's not on the film, but here are the two questions that, that we really ask ourselves, when, whenever we face suffering or opposition, okay, here's, here's what we ask ourselves. We ask ourselves, number one, how, how do I view this suffering? How do I view this opposition? That's the first question. How do I view it? And number two, who do I turn to? So how do I view it? And number two, who do I turn to? And that normally determines what we do when we face opposition. And here's what we're going to see. I think in America, we tend to view suffering and opposition as always bad. We tend to view any time that there's a bad thing that's going to happen or could, that it needs to be avoided at all costs. And, and what, I'm gonna see, what we're going to see here today is that one of the beautiful things about our God is that, yes, first and foremost, he's our redeemer, meaning that he bought us back from sin, he bought us back from death, so that we get to have heaven through Jesus, so we get out of this sinful world, absolutely. And the other beautiful thing about God is that he is our repurposer, 
our redeemer and our repurposer. And what God does is he takes the broken things of this world. He takes the opposition and the suffering that we face and he uses it for our good. He uses it to mold us and to shape us and he uses it ultimately to have us cling closer and closer to him so that we have this deep satisfaction in that God is enough. And that, my friends, is how you get up and to the right, is when you get to a point where you're constantly going to God and constantly having him be your everything and constantly saying, Jesus, you're enough. That, that is why God allows us to go through suffering. So we're gonna go through Nehemiah and, and see that. Okay, so let's throw the first verses up and let's get into the story. And here, here we go. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? So Sanballat is an enemy. He's one of the foreign rulers. He doesn't like it that the Israelites are, are doing this. You know, they're just trying to do this nice thing, rebuilding their wall. And once you know it, he has opposition. And it's not just him. There's some other verses that say this guy Tobiah comes and he's even more ridiculing the Jews. He says, that wall you're building, even if a tiny little fox would jump on it, it would crumble. You Jews, you're so silly, you're so weak, you're so feeble. And isn't it true that so often when we face opposition that the first tactic from those opposing us is ridicule? That's the first way to, to try and get you off your track is to ridicule what you're doing, ridicule your vision of where you're going. Same thing for leaders. If you're leading, the first thing will be people ridicule it. That vision, no way. If a fox jumps on your vision, it'll, it'll fall down. So here's our first point. God's people have always and will always face opposition and ridicule from enemies, especially when we lead. So this point is there to just simply say, in life, and especially if, if you're leading, expect opposition. Don't be surprised by it. And if we're talking about the collective, the Christian church, there's a long history that the Christian church, especially when we're leading, faces opposition. If you look in the Bible, if you look at history. And so here's, here's the thing. At Crosswalk, we, we are, are working together and we're sharing the gospel, right? And we've got a mission. Our mission is to make fully developed followers of Christ. That's awesome. And our vision is to be a church, unchurched people love to attend. That's awesome. And so we're doing things like we bought land and we're gonna build a building. But don't think that won't come without opposition. We launched Midtown, our second site. Don't think that that's going without opposition. We have efforts going on in Mozambique, in Maputo, Mozambique, way over in Africa. And don't think that's going on without opposition. And, and here's the key is to look at, we said enemy. You better believe that Satan was behind Sanballat doing this. Satan didn't want the, the wall to be rebuilt. 
He didn't want Jerusalem to keep going. He knew the promises of God. He knew that salvation would come from the Jews. So if he could keep the Jews down, if he could keep Jerusalem not built, there you go. He lives to fight another day. And in our lives, we have to, if, if you deny the, the, the supernatural, if you deny that, you know, that Satan is, is, is real and that, and that he actually has, has power and, and is trying to oppose us, what happens is we all of a sudden start attributing the enemy to the wrong people. And all of a sudden we have, we have friction maybe in our marriage and so our spouse is now the enemy. Or we have friction at our job, and so our boss or our coworkers are now the enemy. And so, because we're always looking for who's opposing us, and we attribute the enemy, it could be even a, a brother or sister in Christ, someone that you're close, they're the enemy. And so that's part of this point, too, is to recognize not only are we going to face opposition, but the, the opposition's coming from the enemy. All right. Now, let's see how... Nehemiah reacts. Let's look at the next verses. So he gets this opposition, and here's what Nehemiah says. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Okay, so let's see what's going on here. Remember those two questions? When you face opposition or suffering, how do you view it and who do you turn to? I think the important thing is how Nehemiah viewed the opposition. He viewed it as real. He, he, he took it seriously. He took this ridicule and this threat seriously. Same thing for us is when, when we go through life, we can't deny when opposition comes, when suffering comes. That doesn't help. We've got to be real and identify it, right? Nehemiah says, Lord, we are despised. That's what's going on here. And then number two, who do you turn to? This is what's amazing about Nehemiah. I think sometimes we look at guys like Nehemiah and we just think he's just wired differently. He's, you know, he's a guy that just can handle all this suffering and just go through it. But every time he faces opposition, the first thing that he does is he prays and that shows his dependence on God. Right? Here comes the ridicule all the, right away. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. And here's our next fill-in. Is Nehemiah leaves vengeance in God's hands and he doubles down on the vision while facing opposition. Did you see the line? I'll let you put the fill-in there. But did you see the line in, in, in the verse where it says the people worked with all their heart once the opposition came? That's because what Nehemiah did is he took his effort and he left vengeance to God and he doubled down on, all right, now we're really building this wall. People are opposing us. That must mean it's the right thing to do. We're going forward. And, and how? let me tell you back to that story of when that lady gave me that look and gave me that nasty remark, for the next hour, I was fuming in my head, right? And I'm thinking of all the things I want to tell her. Now you won't think my parents raised me right. Here we go. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head of all this stuff. And, and so for that hour, what I did is I doubled down on vengeance. And I, the, the night was a horrible night then. No one lost in that but me. 
My time with my friend Kevin, lost. The movie, I'm not paying attention because I'm thinking in my mind, don't we do that, that when we face opposition, if it's opposition, we spend so much time thinking about how to get back, how to get even, and we forget that God wants us to move forward and to focus on the vision. And if it's not opposition, sometimes if suffering comes, that, you know, the lightning bolt comes and we don't know what, what's happening and, and, and we spend so much time trying to figure out the why. Why, God? Why, why did we get this disease? Why, why did this person leave me? Why, why, is this, why did I lose my job? And I'm not saying that it's natural to ask those questions, but we can spend so much time asking that and so much effort that we lose focus on the fact that God is with us. He has a vision for us. We're his dearly loved children, and, and we can move forward. And so what Nehemiah does is it's not that he doesn't take their comments seriously. What he does is he leaves vengeance in the right hands, right? That's why God says vengeance is mine. Here's an idea. Instead of us trying to get justice on everyone, how about we leave it in the hands of the one who created justice, the one who sees everything, and right? And even in those questionings, why? Why, God, why did you let this happen to me? How how about we we leave that into the hands of the one who knows better than we do? who knows that this, this could be for our good, right? And I'm not saying don't ever ask why, but what I'm saying is leave the why in the right hands and double down on your vision of moving forward. Double down on the things that you know God has promised to you. And, and that is what Nehemiah does, right? He doubles down on the vision. As we move forward as a church, we're gonna have to do the same thing. As we face opposition in moving forward, we're going to be really tempted to be distracted and, and to find out why is behind, even in, among ourselves, right? And we're finding that as we're, as we're with, with Maputo and Midtown, there's lots of questions that are coming up, and so we have to figure it out and be a church family. But let's not get sidetracked by trying to figure out all these side things and the why and, and to stay focused on that vision, working together, sharing the gospel, making fully developed followers of Christ, being a church that unchurched people love to attend. Keep our eyes focused there. All right. Let's keep going and let's see what happens here. Verse seven. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. I'm going to give you the fill-in right away. Leaders pray and act when facing opposition. Leaders pray and act when facing opposition. Do you notice something that once the, once the Jews started rebuilding the wall, oh, the enemies just gave up and went away, right? They doubled down. And is, doesn't that seem to happen in life? When, when we go through opposition or suffering, it only gets worse before it gets better, right? 
It only gets worse before it gets better. Same thing here. Now it's not just ridicule. Now it's actually a physical threat. We're going to come and we're going to attack you, right? And so we see again that Nehemiah, okay, how do you view the suffering? It's real, but it's not outside of God's hands. And who do you turn to? We see there again, what does Nehemiah do? He prays to God and then he posts a guard. And so for you, here's the thing again, is that when you face opposition and suffering, okay, can we learn something from Nehemiah about maybe we can learn that when we face those things, it can be a reaction in us to first reach out to God, to first, to not, so often we think leaders are about, you know, if opposition comes, I'm going to just dig deep and right go to my solution. I'm going to work on the problem right away. Nehemiah didn't do that. He first said, I don't have the solution. I, 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 I'm, I'm under your control, God. You know everything. I'm going to go to you first. So he prayed, and then he posted a guard, and then he acted. And so what I want to ask you is whatever situation you're going through right now, okay, whatever your opposition is, whatever your suffering is, okay, and if you're trying to lead especially, what I want to ask you is what is your version of posting a guard? Because the truth is, is that Yes, God wants us to pray and turn to him. And if we say that we turn to God, we've got to realize the amazing resources God does give us to fight our battles. God does give us a mind. God does give us abilities. He gives us each other. And so if, if we think that we're just not going to, you know, this, things are just going to magically happen, we're, we're not looking at, what God says in his word that he gives us. He gives us our mind and all our abilities. One of the things that I'm really thankful about of being on staff at Crosswalk is Pastor Jeff and Pastor Dan have done a really good job of of having this before the staff, that, that we are constantly learning. We're constantly reading books on how to be healthy emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, all those ways. And, and I know that, you know, I was having this conversation with my sister-in-law about self-help. Like, I get it. Sometimes you're like, you read so many self-help stuff and you're like, ah, whatever, you know, I'm done with that. And that, you know, and that it can be kind of defeating, right? But, but here's how I want some of the, those things I want you to view it is, could it be not self-help, but in some of those things, could it be God help? That, that, that people, that God has given us some, some great things of how to cope with life, some healthy ways, and so to, to learn that. To learn how, you know, when we take care of our bodies and, and when we have friends and when we have all these things that, that we, can, we can help. I'm not saying that's not the only answer. But what I'm saying is, what is your version of posting a guard? To look at that, because that's what Nehemiah did. He prayed and he posted a guard. He took action. All right, let's keep going. Verse 10, and here we get to the heart of the matter. Here we get to Nehemiah's leadership is tested. Look at what it says. Meanwhile, the people in Judah, now these people were the same ones who were rebuilding the wall with all their heart and they were all pumped up. Look at what they say now. The people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. 
So here's what Nehemiah is facing. The same people who are rebuilding the wall and all pumped up are now saying, we got to stop. It's too tough. We've got enemies. We're getting weak. And man, isn't it true that the more and more that you're a leader, the more and more that you learn that you have to deal with people being frustrated and people being tired and a lot of times being frustrated and tired with you. That to be a leader, you have to get used to a low level of frustration, even from the people that love you and that you love. And so Nehemiah, he could have been like, all right, and thrown the towel in and whatnot. But, but here's the deal. For leaders and for everyone, here's what this passage is saying. Everyone has a breaking point. Everyone has a breaking point. Nehemiah has his breaking point. The people have their breaking point. You and I have our breaking point. And I, I bring this up because, you know, I've always viewed myself as a pretty resilient person. You know, you heard Pastor Dan talk about the Clifton Strength Finders and how Activator is one of his top five, right? Positivity is one of my top five. And so for most of my life, the way God wired me, I usually can see the silver lining and I can say, let's go, this is good, it's all right, we can do it. You know, hoorah, rah, cheerleader. That's, that's been one of my strengths. There's been several times now in my life where I knew something was up when my positivity was gone. A year ago from, from now was one of those times. And it was the first time that for two weeks straight, I slept only half an hour a night. And normally, I sleep like a rock. Like when I was growing up, my mom would say two minutes, and that wasn't like a warning of the game's ending. That was how long it's going to take me to fall asleep. Two minutes, boom, I'm out. Sleep the whole night. And, and now I'm very thankful for sleep, <laughs> because when you go without it, you realize what a gift it is. For two weeks, and I'm just like, what's going on here? And and I, I couldn't think, I couldn't function. And part of it, you, remember those questions when you face opposition, how do you view it and who do you turn to? I think part of it for me was I got my mind stuck on the up to the right. Is that, you know, things weren't going exactly as I had planned in all those areas of my life. In family, in work, in, in fun with friends, in all these things. And as you get older, you start to realize that, right? You start to realize life isn't always going as you thought it would. The lightning bolts come. And so I, I did, I got down. And, and here's, here's the deal. The number two, who do you turn to? <laughs> Man, I've never been more thankful for a refrigerator magnet. My wife bought me this magnet of this painting that's one of my favorite paintings. And if you, there, there's, a, there's an account in the Bible of the apostle Peter and Jesus calls him out on the water because Jesus is walking on the water because he's Jesus. And he calls Peter out and Peter gets out and he's confident. And all of a sudden, Peter starts to sink in the waves because of things going on and he gets afraid. And what the picture of the, of the painting is, it's the perspective of Peter and it's of Jesus standing on the water with his hand reaching down. And the look on Jesus' face is basically, I got this. 
And there, there were days during those two weeks where all I could do was look at the fridge magnet. Couldn't get a lot of work done. I, it was tough. But, <laughs> man, that was right the place where I needed to be. I needed to be there. I needed to know, Phil, I got this. I'm your savior. I will take care of you. Can I tell you that I hope you have a fridge magnet moment too, moments. That maybe you have a horrible thing or things coming on, but if it brings you a point where you're, all you can do is look to Jesus as he's looking down and the look on his face is, I got this. And the fact is we need that every day. That, that's why we talk about bringing our sins to God every day and confessing our sins. When we do that, that's what we're doing. We're having a daily fridge magnet moment. We're looking at Jesus who's got this. And, and so that's what really encouraged me during that time. All right, so that brings us to the next set of verses, Romans 5, 3 to 5, because we're getting to how we're strengthened through opposition, right? And look at these verses. So these verses don't come from Nehemiah, right? But definitely apply here. Here's what it says. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I want to give you the fill-in and, and then we'll keep going. Here's the fill-in. And here's what from those verses is what it's saying. Bad circumstances... And sorry if the line's not big enough. I had a lot to put in these notes. <laughs> Write small. Bad circumstances cause people to lose confidence and get frustrated. A leader must point to what's sure. God's love in Jesus. Hope in this upper story allows us not to only survive opposition, but be strengthened by it. And now I want to go back to my amazingly bad artistic skills. And let's put one last graphic up. So we still have the lightning bolt, and we still have the downturn, but, but here, is, here is really what this passage is saying. Because you've got to know what verses 1 and 2 of, of Romans 5 says. Verses 1 and 2 in Romans 5 talk about how we are justified by God's grace and that we stand in peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And now we can glory in God. That we, basically what it's saying is the upper story is the war has been won and God's promises will stand. Do you notice how there's the ups and downs? Like this is the lower story, the lightning bolt. This is our life. Those are the circumstances. That's what we see day to day and the line up above, the arrow up above, it doesn't change, does it? And it's got an arrow going from the beginning of time to the end of time. That is God. That is his promises. That is his love. That is who he is. That is the upper story. That is what gave Nehemiah his strength. If you think Nehemiah was just some awesome dude on his own, uh-uh. He knew the upper story. So whenever he faced opposition, it caused his eyes to say, oh, yeah, 
I have God's promises. And he had some amazing promises from God. He knew the wall would be rebuilt because God promised it. He knew a savior would come from the Jews because God promised it. When we go through suffering, when we go through opposition and we see that those things, there are promises that we know for sure that all things will work out to our eternal good. We know that we have, we have heaven. We know we're going to be in a place of, of perfection. We know that as God promises, this suffering we're going through now, it actually can give us perseverance and it can give us character. And I love that it says character. Perseverance gives us character because what it really is a person of character, they know who they are. That's what lets them act in dignity. And you know what? When you go through, through trials and you look at the upper story, you know who you are. And we say it here all the time. You are a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. And that is what gives you hope at the end of that verse. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Look at the upper story. That's the lesson here from Nehemiah. Look, look at that upper story. That's what these verses are saying. So let's continue in, in, in the account. Because here we go, the people, people are saying we should give up. And let's look at these verses. Verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I love this verse, these verses, because Nehemiah faces opposition. And, and what, is, what does he not do? He doesn't just say, hey, guys, just dig deep. Hey, guys, just look within yourself. He doesn't, he doesn't just do that, does he? And he doesn't say, hey, just look to me. He says, hey, guys, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. It's like Nehemiah was saying, guys, we have an 800-pound giant behind us on our side. We've got this giant behind us, and that's who Nehemiah is pointing to. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Again, every time Nehemiah faces opposition, he first anchors himself to God as a leader, and that's a big lesson we can learn. There's nothing better that, that when you face opposition, if people see you constantly say, all right, let's go to God first about this. And then do you see the line that he says? It's like a Braveheart line. That's my favorite movie. I love the line in that movie. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And then they run out. And I reenact that scene at home sometimes. No, I, I don't. I'd like to. But that's kind of one of these moments, right? Where he's saying, guys, we got, God is on our side. And now don't just, no, don't just sit here. Fight for your family, for your enemies, or not for your enemies, for your, for your sons, for your daughters. Fight for them. And I love it how he mentions the family because here's, here's the deal too. As God's people, as the church, the stronger that we can make the church, the more that we can focus on God's grace, the better off our individual families are. So when you're plugged into a growth group, when you're serving, when you're 
when you're reaching out to people with the gospel outside of the church, you're not just building the church up, you're building your own family up. You're fighting for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, for your children, for your husband. The stronger the church get, the stronger our families get too. And I love that's how Nehemiah structured it is. When, when they fought their enemies, he was given whole families swords and weapons. All right, the Bischoff family, here you go. Oliver, here's a sword. He can barely pick it up, right? But his families, they were fighting together. Let's look at the final verse. And this comes from Nehemiah chapter six. So we're skipping chapter five because next week we get into chapter five. Some great stuff happens there. But here's what we need to know. Here's the gold, verses 15 and 16. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. They completed this thing in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. I love that verse too because it also shows Sanballat and his enemies, talk about digging deep, they had self-confidence. You know, so if we're gonna go there about that's how you really get out of something is self-confidence, we see an example of that not working. Because why? Because they realized there was something stronger than their self-confidence that was opposing them. And here's what's also really awesome to see and, and really encouraging is that at the end of the day, if God wants something done, no one and nothing can stop it. And so viewing ourselves as God's children, knowing we're on God's side, when, when things happen that seem kind of out of the blue and whatnot, we can know and we can trust that nothing's gonna happen outside of God's will. And here's what's really cool. Through this opposition, Nehemiah wasn't only strengthened, the people weren't only strengthened, but God was glorified even more in the victory. Because again, it proved that he's in control, that he is good, and that his mercy endures forever. Against all odds, this, this, these people who were ridiculed, who were weak and feeble, built this wall amid threats. They got permission from the king of Persia to go in the first place, which is crazy. No way that should have happened. It's showing that, man, what's also great where we can be strengthened in our, in our opposition is we can know when we go through opposition and suffering, it's another opportunity to do what truly makes us happy. It gives glory to our good God. And that's actually our last villain, is no opposition can ever stop the work God wants done. The more opposition, the more glory he gets in the victory. I'm going to end with those last two questions, and hopefully we've got some answers, right? How do you view the opposition? Do you view it as a time to be strengthened? And number two, who do you turn to? Turn to your loving God. Remember our Lord who is great and awesome. That verse sear into your mind. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that life is not 
perfect. We know that we face things out of the blue, outside of our control that shake us, Lord. Lord, we also know that we're tempted to turn to ourselves. But thank you that we don't have to. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that we can turn to him. We can turn to you who is great and awesome. Help us remember you, Lord. Remember that your ways are higher than our ways. Remember that this suffering produces perseverance and character and hope in us. And remember ultimately the upper story, Lord, your upper story of your love, of your grace, of your promises, that nothing happens that you don't want to happen and that if you're in control of it, Lord, we know that. So comfort us, be with us in our battles. There's so many people, Lord, as you know, right here in this church facing battles, our church facing opposition. We need you, we reach out to you. We love you because you loved us first. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So before we close, if you would like to hear more, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held on the campus of Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Phil Bischoff. I hope that you realize that, that when we have songs, that they're not just chosen out of the blue, that they're chosen as, as a theme, that we worship God and we get comfort from him through, through those songs, through God's word there. And that song right there, man, what a friend we have in Jesus and admitting we've got our trials and temptations. We've all been there. East to west, your sins are gone. You're a dearly loved child of God. He is with you. Let me send you out into the week with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord.